Hey, listen, welcome to the Hillison Games Cast, episode 139. My name is Jeff. I'm here with Nathan Wagner. Hello, hello, hello. And Rob Douglas. That's me. We got the whole crew back again here for you guys this week, and we are very excited to be talking about some retro games. Uh, we'll be taking a look into the uh, past of our favorite retro games that we've played over the years and sharing them with each other and, as, of course, you guys as well. But before we do, we have some news, as always, that we are going to talk through. The first one is a classic example of you know, reading the initial headline, seeing a report, and then once you actually realize what it is, being extremely disappointed. And this is because <laughs> Super Monkey Ball um, has been kind of rumored, uh, and you know, rumors have been swirling the last couple of weeks of you know trademarks popping up and a new Monkey Ball game coming out. Um, I'm a huge fan of the original Monkey Ball games. Played them like probably probably a top top three or top four like most played GameCube game. Um, and so I was hoping there'd be a new Monkey Ball game or remasters of the originals. Well, we now know that Super Monkey Ball Banana Blitz HD is coming out on October 31st. And um, for, the, for the uninitiated, Banana Blitz is the Nintendo Wii uh, Monkey Ball game, which basically Otherwise took the really fun level design. Bananas. No, it took the fun level design of the first two games, uh, made it very terrible, had absolutely awful motion controls which i would hope they are going to fix since you know it'll be on standard controllers now um and just yeah ultimately was kind of the game that started the death of monkey ball and for some reason (laughs) they've decided on remastering that one instead of one of the original first two games that are good nathan i know that you actually have some stake in this because this is the one that you were saying earlier like i really like this version of the game this is the best monkey ball game, period. <laughs> this, um, There was a nice really try. fun rolly ramp thing, and it has bananas, and it's the only one I've played. So, therefore, it is the best. <laughs> <laughs> you, you poor soul. Oh. If this was the only one you played and you liked it, then you are in for a real treat if you play um, one and two. Yeah, I, I would say I would prefer if this had been one or two. Um I don't, you know, you're coming from down pretty harsh on Banana Blitz, but it is definitely not the best game in the series. I mean, I, I guess I, it I might honestly, be better than nothing. Like, at least they're trying to yeah, you know, bring yeah. Monkey Ball back. But at the same time, I feel like this is just going to kill it all over again because it's going to come out. It's going to get terrible reviews because it already got terrible reviews back when it came out. It's going to get worse reviews now. And then everyone's going, oh, this Monkey Ball is terrible and just ruin the brand and they'll oh no one bought it we're not going to port the other one so i don't know i'm, yeah. I'm pretty i'm pretty uh hopeless with this <laughs> I, I was actually kind of excited when i saw the trailer although like i said i have only played banana blitz and i never owned it i just played it at friends mm-hmm. house and at parties and stuff like that and i remember mm-hmm. having fun with it so yeah, i can't really uh, it was... speak too much to the quality of it versus the other games in the series i mean remember i played the first two probably over 100 hours each for each one uh single player and multiplayer and when this one came out i think i think my dad or my brother like someone in my family bought it it was like a launch game for the wii right that's another part too it was like a launch game and so they're like oh we have to use motion controls and stuff and so they kind of forced everyone to use motion controls and the the worst thing about it was is it used motion controls with um you held the joyce or the the wiimote um, sideways, and then you had to tilt it forward to roll forwards, 
And so the entire time you're playing oh, that yeah. game, Sight you're like rolling your uh, wrists forward the entire time to move forward instead of just holding up on a, you know, controller stick or something like that. So it was. I think not the best. I think controls. one of the things that will actually work in this game's favor is the fact that for the newer consoles, because it's also coming out on Steam. Yeah. No. Yeah. And so I think the motion controls will actually be changed because I mean that was right at the very beginning of we. Uh, developers are kind of like, well, we got to really, really utilize all this motion controls. And, you know, like there's been, there's been a, there's a long list of games that have tried to use the, the newest and latest and greatest portion of technology in a new console or a new system or something and have epically failed mm-hmm. because they just didn't understand what actually worked and what yeah, especially didn't. Especially at the launch of the Wii, like, you know, earlier yeah. on in that uh, generation, it was, you know, not as good with the motion tracking, but yeah, yeah, you're right, Rob, they're redoing the controls, you know, it'll be playable with the co- standard controller. So I'm sure it will be better than the original one, but that being said, it's not really a remake. They're just remastering it, you know, changing controls and making it look yeah. in, in HD. And, you know, I, I played this game probably less than five hours on the Wii and you know, the ones I put hundreds of hours in. So I, I, I feel like that should, should tell the whole story right there. But anyways, Mm-hmm. Um, that's coming out October 31st, right around uh, Halloween there, and you can look forward to that if, uh, I guess, you have never played the first two. Maybe you'll like it. It won't be ruined for you like it is for me. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so Borderlands 3 had a, a new trailer drop um, this week, and it was very interesting because it was kind of announced as, oh, you know, new trailer's coming out. Everyone get excited. We're going to show some um, Borderlands 3 footage. And it was called the Togetherness trailer. Of course, everyone on the internet immediately starts going, oh, they're going to show how crossplay works. You know, you're going to play with people on every console. You know, they've talked about how Borderlands 3 is going to have some crossplay stuff. And, you know, that's kind of a, a new thing that people are getting really excited about, especially when these big games, you know, like Destiny, you know, cross save or crossplay, things like yeah. that. Um, well, the trailer came out, and the entire thing is set to the Better Together song, which. I feel like is in so many trailers now. <laughs> um, and basically it just shows the different like vault hunters, the different main characters, all shooting things in a circle and doing dance parties for two minutes straight while all these like roses and psychedelic like drug trip things are happening around the screen. And that was the entire trailer. And it didn't Wait, really show any new gameplay. Isn't or there have... like every, like I remember Destiny has had sh- trailers like this before and other big shooter games kind of have like trailers where characters are just dancing on screen and emoting and stuff like that well it's kind of the big thing because of fortnite that's true like like literally every game is just trying to copy the pop culture influence that fortnite has caused on people trying to do dances yeah just the the funny part to me was they called it the togetherness trailer you know which everyone starts getting excited and speculating and right before the trailer came out you know the ceo of uh, had to come out, you know, we're not talking about crossplay. That's not at all in today's thing. We want to do it eventually, but we're not going to have crossplay at launch. And so it looks like they're not going to be able to hit that by September when the game comes out. Hopefully it comes later on. Um, you know, most it's probably Sony's fault. It's, yeah, Sony's fault. <laughs> they're not playing well with everyone else as usual. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think Borderlands 3 will be fun, but um, I. I feel like they need to show things in it that's going to make it different and, you know, different from the Borderlands 2. I, I feel, honestly, 
I don't, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but um, I feel like Borderlands 3, from the stuff I've seen and the stuff they shoot, um, showed at E3 and stuff like that, like, I feel like they've shown enough gameplay and footage and different stuff like that, and to... I feel like we know what the game is. It's more Borderlands and, you know, in some new areas and different settings, but it doesn't seem like it's changing anything up too, mm. yeah, it uh, looks to like be they... too revolutionary. Yeah. So I don't really feel like we need it. They need to show more of this game. Although I do think it's kind of stupid. They called it the get togetherness trailer. And then somebody in marketing marketing was like, um, Hey, we need to probably tell people we're yeah. not doing crossplay because well, and I think for me, like, watching some of the trailers and stuff, it looks like they upped the graphics and basically just made the amount of guns in this game so mind-bogglingly many that you can't even really do anything with them. Yeah. To the point where, I mean, it doesn't, like you said, unless they have something drastic that they've been hiding in the wing for this game um, that they were just waiting to reveal or waiting till launch so that it'll blow everyone's minds when this game comes out it mm -hmm. seems like a cut and paste copy no i mean i don't i don't think it's a copy i think it's just it's more borderlands and hey borderlands 2 came out in what 2014 or something like that yeah, so it's been yeah. five years it's been a long time they've given the franchise the appropriate amount of time off and people who enjoy borderlands i think are very excited and will have a lot of fun well the, but they if, had borderlands you... the pre-sequel sequel yeah i mean or the yeah, that's that sequel or, games yeah and stuff but... yeah for me, but, I, I, yeah. I, I'm kind of thinking adding some type of new mode, whether it's like a, you know, new horde That'll mode or something out. or, you know, even something like a raid where you go in with a, a big team and there is some, you know, puzzle solving and stuff. Because um, for the most part, it's, you know, just wandering around the map, picking up different items, requests and shooting things. So I don't know. It's kind of hoping for a new kind of gameplay element added in there. But it, who knows? Maybe we'll get it later on in the game. Yeah, we'll yeah, see. Hopefully. I, I will say, like, I am not planning on playing Borderlands 3, especially not at launch. Like, maybe mm -hmm. I'll pick it up down the road with friends and stuff like that. But it's not something that I'm super looking forward to. Yeah, okay. I'll probably pick it up sometime in a Steam sale. <laughs> As you always do. Like every game <laughs> Rob ever buys. Ever. Ever. <laughs> every game ever. How, how many games did you get in the, uh, the summer sale for Steam this year, Rob? What was was the damage uh, bad, or was it not as bad as uh, previous I years? spent $30. Oh, that's pretty good. And I got seven games. Seven, seven bucks, so that's what, like five five bucks a game, four bucks a game? Yeah, yeah, just about. So, Well, or, let us know, know on Twitter, at Halison underscore games. Did you spend more or less than Rob in the Steam Summer Sale? And uh, let us applaud you, or I don't know. Uh, make fun of you I, I don't know which, which one I mean do. probably should make fun of me but <laughs> I'm I'm secure in my steamliness <laughs> Steam can we like trademark that Rob Douglas the steamliness uh, master call me call me um, Valve you need to be in a steampunk game <laughs> <laughs> all right well our next news story is uh, kind of a smaller one that almost kind of got buried uh, this week but basically you guys Bungie uh, confirmed that they're making a Destiny 3, which I know probably isn't the biggest news or biggest surprise, but um, you know, ever since they 
announced uh, Shadow Keep back at, around E3, and they were talking about the new expansion, how they just want to keep adding to Destiny 2, and you know they're not part of the Activision model, so they're not forced to make you know a new Destiny 3 or anything. A lot of fan base was kind of hoping and speculating they'd just keep adding on to Destiny 2 and keep making it bigger and bigger and bigger instead of you know doing a hard reset and making a new game. But uh, basically, they put out a quote in an interview with Polygon saying that Destiny 2 is a huge game, and they mean in terms of scope of the game and the complexity, but also the amount of space they take on people's hard drives, and they can't grow the game infinitely forever. That being said, you know well, Destiny no. 2 takes, I think, 106 gigabytes on PS4 currently. You know, It'll bump up probably another 20 gigs when the big uh, expansion comes out in September. So they're... They're going to reach a point, they're saying, <laughs> where they can't keep on just making the game bigger and bigger, where it's, you know, over 200 gigs yeah. and just taking up people's entire hard drives. Yeah. Um, well, two things. One, uh, you said this was a, from an interview with Polygon. Yeah. Was this this past week? Because I remember I was listening to, like, a E3 interview, like, mm -hmm. back around the time of E3 with, um, I forget who it is, but whoever's, like, one of the head people at Bungie. And they said basically almost the exact same thing. Like, they asked them, hey, do you think we'll ever get Destiny 3? And they're like, hey, uh, you know, in terms of scope and size, like, Destiny 2 is huge. We love it. We want to keep working on it. But eventually, we'll probably get to a point where the game is just going to be too big for us to, to keep going. Yeah. And, you know, I so think they this said is something more of, very similar. At least. Yeah. This is more of a reinforcement because, like I said, with them breaking off from Activision and talking yeah. about how they're committed to Destiny 2 for you know, at least another year or two. Um, I think people are just assuming, oh, they're not going to ever drop Destiny 2 until, you know, they literally have to. But from the sounds of the, this quote, it may be coming sooner than I think a lot of people are expecting. <laughs> well, and I mean, I think they'll probably want to work on, on the new hardware. Yeah, yeah. Right? With And for me, I, I'm totally PS5. fine. Yeah, I'm fine with that if they make the jump as soon as the new hardware comes out because... You know, Destiny 1 mm -hmm. launched on 360 and PS3 as well, and they're very limited. So Destiny 2 was pretty much pushing current gen to its max. So pushing the next gen uh, for Destiny 3 makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Did you have another point, Nathan? You said yours. Another no, no, no. Oh, I don't know. I forgot my other point. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, no, I, I've I been playing some Destiny. I'll talk more about the new update at the end of the uh, show when we talk about what we're playing. But Rob, did you have something? Yeah, I was just going to say, I think because Bungie is now separated from Activision, it just makes sense that they would start working on the next iteration of their series. Either work on the next Destiny or work on a completely new IP. So, you know, yeah. now that they're uh, out. I mean, this, this gives them more flexibility to do that and take more time on Destiny 3, I would yeah. assume. Yeah, I think it's more exactly, just getting rid of exactly. the time constraints and the schedule that Activision had where maybe they wanted them to launch Destiny 3 you know, next fall, but now they can yeah. launch it maybe the year after or in the spring or something else. So, Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, Rob, our next and final news story is one <laughs> that I'm sure you are very excited about, and that is Ubisoft, your favorite third-party publisher, has announced Uplay Plus, which is coming September 3rd. Um, it's PC only, but you get access for $15 a month to pretty much every Ubisoft game. That's over 100 uh, games available at launch. Um, and the neat thing about this is it will include, you know, Division 2, all the Assassin's Creed games, upcoming games like uh, Watch Dogs Legion. And the versions that you get to play are the premium edition. So that comes with all, you know, the 
DLC, the season pass, all the special bonus stuff that the really expensive Ubisoft games like to include with those you know fancy premium editions, um, as well as early access and betas, uh, you know, to upcoming games and things. So um, right now, you know, it's PC only. Uh, but is this a service that you would consider um, getting being a big Ubisoft fan? More so than I care to admit. <laughs> is this like the, the, a monthly subscription that you'll that will finally get you to bite uh well so i already have xbox uh game pass on pc okay um but i haven't i haven't done much with it just yet uh but this is one that as i looked through the list i was like oh i've always wanted to play all the far cry games oh i've always like there's cs all the assassin's creed games oh there's all the tom clancy games including ghost recon you know games that i've been kind of interested in the division games i've been kind of interested in then oh there's all the rayman games and oh there's i was like going and all the watchdog games i was like this is not healthy for me <laughs> i, I already don't have again. enough time to play games this this could be this could break me. I'll be honest, guys. This could be the end of Rob. Uh, I, I saw that and I was just like, no, you can't do this to me. You can't. No, man. I'm going to have to sell a child or something to maintain this. So there you go. We, we, uh, we won't tell anyone about it when your child is you're missing. A child. Well, the nice thing is, yeah, is good thing just... I didn't announce that on a podcast that we air on the internet. <laughs> Yeah. Well, if you're curious about a game, that's what I really like about services like you know Game Pass yeah. and this, where you can try out a game that maybe you've heard about, you've been wanting to try. You don't have to pay anything since, uh, you know, since you already have the service. Try it out, and if you like it, keep Absolutely. going. But you don't necessarily feel obligated to play through the whole thing since you bought it, or you know, stick with it if it's not really your jam. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it is uh, similar to Game Pass where you download the titles and play them, you know, in high resolution and everything. So it's not streaming, yeah, it's download, stream. which I personally prefer. But um, wh yeah. what do you guys think? Would you rather have download or a streaming service like Stadia or PS Now? I, I think the nice thing about the the download is you get less lag if your internet goes down. Yes, for sure. But I think, the, I think the downfall of downloading a game onto your computer, running off your computer, is then you're relying on the specs of your computer. Mm. So if you have a little bit of a lower-end laptop or you bought a laptop, even a newer laptop that was on the cheaper side, you're not going to be able to play most of these games. And so having the, like, Google Stadia was awesome because, you know, uh, I was I able to... a gaming PC. I was able to play it on some really terrible computers just because I had internet that worked well enough for me to run it. And so I would almost prefer streaming, but I wonder if there's a, I would also prefer like maybe a compromise. Yeah. Well, like it is coming to stadia next year. They said at some point, Yeah. Um, but when it launches in September, it will be a PC download only. Yeah. Um, I would assume they'd want to get this out on consoles as well at some point. Like I know EA has EA access out on the, uh, um, Xbox. I think it's actually coming to PlayStation. It's this coming to PS4 well, this summer, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's supposed to come next month, I think. Okay. So it will be on Stadia next next year. Hopefully, it'll hit some consoles as well. I think that would yeah. you know, drive the value and expand their their reach to a lot more. I think like people, Xbox but... Game Pass. The thing is like because uh, Xbox Game Pass went from a console to computer, and so there was a lot of games that were specifically designed for the console that don't run very well on computer. And I think it's also the same vice versa. But there's some games that Ubisoft has that are designed just for the computer that aren't going to run as well on a on a console. 
just you know like they just spec wise and control wise like you know how complicated was it for uh them to put halo wars onto a console let alone do some of these rts's and you know like ano series and stuff and settlers series onto a console so we'll see how that works yeah well the, yeah. people always have preferences you know for different genres and what they play like yeah i only play first person shooters with you know a controller and dual stick but you know there's people who have to play with the mouse and keyboard and they're way better than i am so yeah. it uh just depends on your preference and if you really like RTS games, you should probably be playing on a PC. So, yeah, it's true. This uh, this news honestly kind of just fills me with dread because obviously there's already EA access. Ubisoft has their own thing now, and in like two years, every company is gonna have their own streaming service that you're gonna have to subscribe to, that you may subscribe to to play all their different games, and in some far distant flung future if that's the way we play everything like i don't want to be subscribed to like 10 different gaming services because oh i really want to play assassin's creed but i also really want to play like three other games from different companies and stuff like that and i think eventually you know netflix is is nice for the most part because you know they have they have their own shows but then they have shows from lots of different network network and cable television stuff like that versus you know just one company putting all their games in in one streaming service it's you know if you subscribe to too many it can Mm -hmm. get expensive yeah and i think the more services like this that come out the more division we'll see um you know things like game pass have been growing and have tons of different games from yeah all these different publishers and things but you know if we start getting way more other services i feel like that might start to change but Mm -hmm. i don't know yeah like game could lose some of their yeah like ubisoft would be like oh we, we're not gonna put any of our exactly I don't, like ubisoft I no and ea aren't gonna put anything on game pass at this point right yeah. so exactly. if, yeah. if exactly. more publishers start doing that and come out with their own ones then you know it'll probably make decrease the value of yeah. something like xbox and if they're all 15 dollars or paying like 80 dollars a month for all these subscriptions yeah exactly yeah that's expensive but uh, if you are interested and you got a PC uh, with good enough specs, you can sign up to play the first month free in September, um, starting September 3rd uh, through the end of that month. You can check out all the cool Ubisoft games. A lot of good games in there. Rob, it, yeah. real quickly, Dude, 10 seconds. Someone should. <laughs> what one game would you recommend? From the Ubisoft Pass For people to play in the free yeah. trial starting September 3rd, what one Ubisoft game? five seconds i mean like literally if you picked anything from assassin's creed you're going to do pretty well okay anything uh, what's the well, assassin's a creed recommendation a recommendation down to is uh black flag uh okay, that's, odyssey that's all you, get. you get black flag you get one <laughs> black two. flag and odyssey that's two you're cheating don't play odyssey like just black cheat. flag you heard it here rob douglas dude somebody should subscribe to this for a month and see like how many uh different checkpoints on a map they fulfill playing through all these different games <laughs> right. like number like it list oh exactly. just assassin's creed and far cry alone you're gonna have like thousands a billion exactly. yeah <laughs> all right well we're gonna move into our main segment today we're gonna be talking about retro games that we've played and you know we've uh we you guys know if you've been listening to the show for a while, uh, we we grew up playing games. We have a lot of fondness for um, retro games that we have just played over the years. And I thought we'd kind of focus today's episode on games that 
maybe we played a lot that maybe other people hadn't quite played as much. And um, I kind of picked my games on one side. I think that, you know, Rob, you and Nathan would really like, and, you know, ho hopefully, you know, a lot of the viewers as well um, that were kind of almost like hidden gems. Um, so, so I'll go ahead and start us off. And my first one is imagine if you could combine Jurassic Park with Street Fighter with Mortal Kombat. That gives you Primal Rage, which was an arcade game where you played as dinosaurs and like yetis and these like mythical, or not mythical, but archeological like old creatures. And it was very simplistic fighting, but it had like, it wasn't as, as gratuitous as Mortal Kombat, but it did have like blood and stuff like that. And just some like really kind of like brutal moves where you're like biting the dinosaur's neck and stuff like that. And this was a game where I would like search it out specifically as a kid in the 90s to see if I could find it in an arcade. Because um, I had a really good character. It was a T-Rex character that was red and black that was super cool. And he had this one move where if you stood in the corner and did like his bite attack, it was like almost impossible to hit you. And I confused and beat so many random adults in arcades oh, no. as this random kid spamming this one attack. And it was and it's I one of the things so that made mad. me fall in love with fighting games. This is one of the first like fighting games I really, really, really enjoyed playing. But have you guys ever heard of this game? I've heard of it. I've I don't think I've ever played it though. Okay. Yeah. I, I have also heard of it, but not played it. Um, my question for you is, were were there like any uh, like vegan dinosaurs in there, like plant eating dinosaurs and stuff like that? <laughs> I don't think or so. They all were like variations okay. on like there were no like long necks or, or anything like that. Yeah, guys, I feel like this game is discriminatory towards all dinosaurs. Exactly. <laughs> Rights for dinosaurs. No, but it it was super fun. It got ported. Um, I think like the Super Nintendo Genesis and a couple other things, but the arcade version was the best. Like it, the graphics were better, and obviously, you know, the thrill of playing against another person, you know, in person at like this game was usually at Red Robins. Like, and every winter Red oh, Robin, really? I'd beeline it to the arcade and go, "Yes, they have Primal Rage," and I'd be so excited. So, um, definitely I check it out if you ever Red see Robin it at arcade. Until I was in super fun. college. <laughs> the so, uh. For each of these, should we do something like whether we think this is a game we might want to try or not? Sure. So I'm interested. I'm down to have <laughs> dinosaurs fighting each other and yetis and stuff like that. That sounds fascinating. Yeah, anything with dinosaurs in it sounds at least like a good 30 minutes to an hour. So Yeah, yes. yeah. you're not going to get like tons of hours of gameplay out of this, but it is totally fun to do a couple rounds. And like I said, yeah, yeah, give a courtesy round or two. Out there, so like getting to play as a dinosaur and like eat these other dinosaurs is really cool. Give it give it a courtesy play through round or two. Yeah, yeah. I'm down. I want long neck DLC. That's all I <laughs> maybe Maybe we'll do a, a new one. Uh, we'll get a revival. I think they only made the one, so probably okay. not. Okay, probably not. All right. Well, I think I'll do the next one then. So uh, this is during the Sega Genesis era. It came out in uh, 1995. This is a game called Vector Man. Um, and essentially the premise was it was a, a side-scrolling uh, platformer shooter um, that you played as this like green blobby guy. So he looked like a normal human being, but he's made out of, like instead of like actual... Like everything is attached. He's basically just all these floating balls attached to 
each other. It was pretty hardcore. He was running around and you shot all these aliens and stuff. And he could morph into different shapes and stuff for different levels. Like one level I remember was you played as a like a plane. And it was more like space arcade kind of oh, like, like shooting shoot this bigger, bigger, like a bigger boss thing, trying to shoot it that way. Um, I just remember it was a lot of fun to play. And for someone who only had a few games on the Sega Genesis, this is one of the games that I remember <laughs> playing a ton of. Yeah. So, no, I, I also recommend this one. I actually played this a little bit on a Sega Genesis collection I had um, a long time ago. Yeah. And you're right, the character design is really cool. It's like this little green, like, Orby Man. It's almost kind of like Rayman, but, like... Yeah, 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 exactly. That's that's kind of what I was trying to figure out, like, yeah. Rayman. Yeah. yeah, and the way he kind of, like, jumps it's... and, like, runs, like, and the, it kind of moves really cool. And there were, like, like, power-ups and everything. It was super fun to play. I yeah, remember I feel that. like their entire animation budget went into just making the Vector Man character look really cool. <laughs> yeah, it pretty much did. Because I don't remember anything else about any of the rest of that game. Yeah. I remember it was kind of like... Except for the character yet. design. Yeah, it had a lot of that feel. Like Gameplay-wise, like, at least. It was a little, like, uh, techno-like, kind of that sci-fi, like, super shiny edges. Yeah, yeah. Uh, designed for the levels and everything, so. Yeah, Nate. pretty good pretty good game for the Genesis. What do you think, Nathan? Um, I'm out. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have heard of this game. I have never played it, but hearing you describe it, honestly doesn't sound like something i would want to go back to i think if i went back to it having never played it before and not having any nostalgia for it i don't think i'd enjoy it <laughs> Fair lost. all right yeah well i'd have a platformer i think you might actually like nathan and this is what's that i don't think it was on the genesis i think it was just super nintendo i could be wrong though um but it was a super nintendo game called bugs bunny rabbit rampage and before you you know sign this off as a crappy licensed game uh, you know, this was one of my favorite Super Nintendo games. It You played as Bugs Bunny, and the animation style in this one was cool because it had really, really big, detailed pixel art. It looked like, it almost looked like an animated like TV show. So, like, the sprite for Bugs Bunny, like, filled up almost, like, half your screen, which... Oh, wow. Gameplay-wise was a little tough because, you know, you couldn't always see far ahead of you, so you, you might get hit by an enemy or something that's coming at you from off-screen. But, you know... In my opinion, it looks a lot better than some of the games, you know, I'm thinking like Super Star Wars or something, you know, where it's a licensed game, but the characters are very, very small. And, you know, so you have bigger, bigger environments on the screen. So art style is awesome. If you like Looney Tunes at all, then you will love this game because like there's a space level where you go fight Marvin Martian and all those like bird alien things. There's an entire level based around uh, the bullfight, like the big black, you know, bull, angry Benny bull. the bull. Yeah, Benny the Bull. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, he just chases you, and you have to get to the end of the level without him, like, skewering you. And then you have him ram. You hold, like, a red cape up, and then you move it. And he runs into a pole or an, an anvil on the other side, and that's how you beat him. He's like a boss fight. And so really, really cool game. And the entire game, too, is also being drawn by, uh, like, Daffy Duck and an illustrator. So, like, anytime you die, you get, like, erased. And during like the boss fight, he'll like draw different things on the different characters. Um, just is probably the best Looney Tunes game of like the '90s era, in my opinion. So a lot of fun, and it's, it's a platform. It's like a side scroller. Yeah, it's a side scrolling platformer. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. There's cool. a cool level where you go through like the Tasmanian Devil's like jungle, and he just like zzz, like 
like buzzes right through trees and stuff like that and you have to avoid him is it hard or is it pretty easy do you remember i mean like i remember some of those licensed games like pretty hard (laughs) yeah i'd say it was was pretty challenging but it had a fun mechanic where you could jump on any enemy um to get to higher places you just had to kind of time it and so I think the timing part might be a little hard for you, Nathan, but it's, yeah. it's yeah. you know, it's not like Mario where you kind of automatically jump off of them and it's pretty generous. You had to, you know, it's a little, little trickier, but yeah, fun game. I do have the cartridge still if if you want to come over sometime and try it. <laughs> Sounds good. But what about you, Rob? What, what do you think? Do you think this is a game you'd like? Were you a Bugs Bunny so, fan? I am a Looney Tunes fan, and so that aspect of it does appeal to me, but I always am not the best at platformers like that, or side-scrolling platformers and timing and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that side of things and the challenge of it kind of cheers me a little bit. So I'm going to give this like a, a 50% either way. Okay, I want to get you to 51%, and I'll throw okay. this in this quick elevator pitch. On one of the levels, the witch flies around, you know, the, the witch with the blue dress yep. and the black yep. hat. She throws magic spells, and if she hits you, you turn into the little Hello, My Darling frog, and you sing and dance. All right, 51. <laughs> 51%. <laughs> All right, Mr. That College. actually might be, that might be worth a 52. <laughs> I would do that uh, just to see that little animation of bugs getting transformed into that frog and dancing, even though it would, like, kill me half the time because it takes damage. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. That's, That's awesome. awesome. Nice. All right, Nathan, share share one of uh share one of your games. Uh, so one of mine is uh, and this isn't like super niche or anything like that, but I remember really loving it back in the day. Um, and it is a Warrior Land three for the Game Boy Color. And this is because uh, it's like one of the only other games I had besides Pokemon for my Game Boy. And I remember playing it, and it's it's like a platformer, but you're trying to collect coins and stuff like that, if I remember correctly. And it's more exploratory. Um, than like just straight platforming and I remember having a lot of fun with it and playing it with my neighbor actually and we kind of took turns playing levels and um, exploring different areas and I remember thinking like we had been playing uh, like the NES um, earlier that day and we, I think we'd been playing uh, Super Mario Brothers 1, 2, and 3 like all of the Super Mario Brothers games I remember thinking man this game is so much better than those games Borderland <laughs> 3 is a much better game than the Do you still stand by that statement? Now, I haven't played Warrior Land 3 since I was about 10 <laughs> years old, so I can't say for sure, but my, like, 8-year-old brain definitely thought it was better than the original That's Super funny. Mario Brothers or any of the ones on NES. Well, it's different, right? Where rather than just, like, platforming, jumping on enemies, you're, like, you, like, beat up enemies and you can throw them and things. Yeah, you, so. like, you, like, beat up enemies, um, there's some fighting, and you're, like, if you're not just, it's not like Mario where you're just going straight right. Like you kind of go down and explore different areas, mm-hmm. um, and there's kind of secret areas you can well, find. A little bit slower too, right? Yeah, it's slower. It's not like you're you're. There's not a timer on levels, I don't believe. Um, okay. So, yeah, yeah. If I remember, well, I'm sold on it. I mean, just the <laughs> idea that I could run through a level a little bit slower and not have to to rush, yeah. and also the fact that I get a fight back. I actually, I remember uh, when I got my Wii. I remember being like, oh, man, like, I wish they had a Wario Land game for the Wii. And then, like, I played WarioWare Smooth Moves at my, my friend's house. And I was like, I mean, this is fun, but I think I'd rather have a Wario Land game. That's so Wii. funny. So... I, I'm, like, the complete opposite. Like, I didn't fall in love with Wario until the first WarioWare game came out. And then I played, I got, like, every WarioWare game. I just loved those series. And I, like, missed all these Wario Land games. But I feel like I would <laughs> like them. I just need to go back and play them. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah I think it's kind of right up your your niche yeah. there, Jeff. For sure. Oh yeah. They, they were definitely underappreciated because I they, I think they were mostly just on like the handhelds and stuff like that. Like I don't yeah. think yeah. there was ever a console yeah. version of them. So I've but. actually for years I've really wanted to get the uh, the Warrior Land for Virtual Boy because I've heard that's the best Virtual Boy game and you know best being you know <laughs> what the nine games that I had. But, uh, I heard it's actually that was really only good on game. the market for six months. Yeah, most people haven't bought, you know, played it, but you know, it's kind of expensive to buy at this point compared to yeah, you know, I'm sure it's probably most other retro part. games. Yeah, yeah, I would <laughs> maybe someday. Exactly, find a good deal. Cool. Well, thanks cool. Island. I, um, I need to go back. Yeah, that, that was that was one of mine. Uh, let's see, who, Jeff, are you next? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I can share another Game Boy Color game actually, and this other one, I feel like it might be kind of known by some people but i never ran into anyone <laughs> i've known who's played it and uh those are the game and watch gallery games for the uh, game boy color and um i think i had game and watch gallery 2 growing up and then i think i downloaded all of them on virtual console on the 3ds so you can get them there i think like five bucks a piece or something um but uh yeah game and watch gallery is super fun because they basically have original game and watch games which came out i think in the early 80s um yeah it was like a nintendo handheld where you just bought you know one little unit and you had one game and you just kind of played that game and obviously people know game and watch now because he's in smash bros but yeah um my first you know experience with mr game and watch was in these game boy color games um and you i think each collection came with about five or six different games and then you could set high scores, and there was like a little leaderboard in the game, some little art books, some cool different little bonuses. And then the real fun part of the game is that each game also had a kind of remastered version with Mario characters. And so you could play, you know, classic. Um, classic Ball is Moon Mr. Game and Watch grabs you and Smash Bros, you know, and he's like juggling. Um, yes. You just move left and right, very simple. But the new one, you play as Yoshi, and he has tennis rackets, and he's balancing eggs and like bombs and other things will come out, and the eggs will hatch and give you points. And um, so oh, it's, they did updates for all of the games in the collection, like yeah. that. Yeah, I That's think each cool. cartridge was only about five or six games. Mm-hmm. Um, so like you had to buy, you know, Game Watch Collection one, two, and three. Um, yeah. But yeah, every game had a the original as well as the new one, and had high scores and stuff. So me and my brothers would just swap this cartridge with each other on road trips all the time. Like, oh, you know, try to beat my new high score on, you know, parachute or whatever it was. So, yeah, really fun, quick little arcadey game. And um, it is on the 3DS, like I said, if you want to play it uh, digitally there. Awesome. Nice. Super have, cool. Have either of you guys, like, played any of the Game & Watch like, games before? I, I have never played any. Yeah, I, I've Game never Watch played games. any My Game only Watch. experience with Game & Watch is through Smash Brothers. So, yeah. I mean, I I, I've, like, read about some of the, you know, like, the early yeah. stuff they did with Game and Watch. Yeah, games, yeah I mean they're but... they're really simplistic, but they're they're really fun. <laughs> like they're, they're yeah, yeah. I didn't even really hear about Game and Watch until Smash Bros came out, and then I kind of did some backtracking and mm. sort of like looked it up and stuff and saw, oh, this actually is a pretty uh, was one of the like original game series and stuff out there. Yeah. But yeah, I I I would be interested in giving a courtesy you know playthrough or something. Just play through some of those just because it's kind of a gaming history yeah, right sure. there. It, they made a Game & Watch Donkey Kong that was really, really fun, where uh, you pretty much just played through the first level of Donkey Kong, um, like, over and over, trying to get high scores. You had to make it to the yeah. top, I think, four times to 
BTK and that would give you a huge like hundred point bonus and stuff. And um, yeah, really, really fun games. Uh, still hold up well to gay today. Mm. Awesome. Nice. Sweet. Um, I think I am up next. And uh, the next game I want to talk about is actually on PC. And it is a game called Zumbinis. And I think I might have actually talked about it on the show before. But it is a... It's like a... I remember I, I was exposed to this game through, like, school. Like, we got to play it at school because it was like Ooh. a... kind of. It's kind of like a puzzle game, but it's like a math game because basically you have this group of little blue guys called Zumbinis that you create. Um, and you create a certain like a name or a word that you would have created, Nathan. Just, just no, yeah. I, mean... I, I unfortunately cannot take credit for this. But you create a certain number. I think it's like 20 or something like that. I don't remember exactly. And you basically go on this journey. There's a map. And there's, I think, like eight or nine different areas of the map. And you go on this journey with the Zumbinis. And each one is like a logic kind of puzzle. You get to an area and there's some kind of like bad guy or something blocking the way that doesn't allow your Zumbinis to cross. Um, and so what you have to do is you have to try and get all of your Zumbinis past this obstacle safely. And sometimes if you do it wrong, like you have to leave some of them behind or you sacrifice them and kill them. It's kind of like it's a kid's game and an educational game, but it's kind of like I remember being like feeling kind of bad about it. Like there's this one. <laughs> This one where you have to, there's these three hungry monsters, right? It's kind of like the three hungry trolls and you have to make pizza for them. But if you don't do the, if you don't uh, like give them the correct toppings, um, then they get mad and they eat the Zumbini instead. And what you have to do is you have to like send your Zumbini to get the right topping. And if you mess up or something like that, you can, uh, you can, you can sacrifice your Zumbini. So like so, the goal was always you would play through the whole thing, like maybe going through the entire story took like an hour and you try and get as many as possible and try and like almost like set a high score gotcha. depending on how many you got. So through. this is like the predecessor to like Pikmin, basically. Um <laughs> kind of, except it wasn't like a, a real time like a strategy game. Well, yeah, like yeah. That. Like you know, it was more like a logic solving game. Yeah, but I actually was looking up and I think and problems um, and seeing how much it's you can it's available on steam as far as i know like you can well, get just, it on steam and play it on steam yeah i just looked it up because i was like this sounds ridiculous and <laughs> yeah. it looks like, like blue mr potato heads <laughs> yeah that, that's a pretty accurate <laughs> like, like if, you, if you, instead of mr potato head it's mr blueberry man could you like customize um, your different little zumbinis yeah like the start like. of the game every like it would be <laughs> like worms. you ha would have to make some of your zumbinis so it'd give you like different hairstyles and different eyes and noses and stuff like that and you create them and then take them on your journey with oh, so you create a little bit of an attachment to them and then you sacrifice them to an angry <laughs> troll exactly i'm not sure how we feel about this game <laughs> hey, it was this a great like game a, a more it helped me learn a lot of lemmings like or something. math things yeah <laughs> it's a little lemmings it's a little pikmin it's a little mr potato head um, it is available on uh, mobile. I did see that. It's on oh, Android it and oh. on iPhone. So oh, I have uh, to, like, download this and play it. I don't I think didn't know that I would ever want to play this game. But that being said, I would be down to watch Nathan play this game. So. Actually, <laughs> I think that's, buy this yeah, game that's and stream it. I'll tune in. I, I don't think I would go out of my way to ever play this game just because, like, you know, little kid logic games. You know other than the ones that you maybe played when you were a kid yeah, it's hard to get back into those games but i would be down to watch nathan play this game 
it would bring me much joy, and also I might get a little sadistic. Uh, <laughs> I might have done. I might have killed them in the past just for fun, a lot. I'm sorry, yeah. Hank Jr. You brought the wrong pizza. I gave you the wrong <laughs> order, and now be eaten. <laughs> yes. Oh, Good this time. explains so much about you, Nathan. Yes. Um, I'll go next. Sure. And so the next game I have is uh, it's called Tachyon the Fringe. So this was like think elite dangerous but it came out in 2000 <laughs> okay so you basically you had you were a fighter pilot in space and you flew around and you did all of these missions it had but you were basically you were flying your own cockpit it was like right in that era where everyone was super obsessed with star wars but it was mm -hmm. this own world this own story you could buy new ships you you could upgrade your ship's weapons and stuff and your cargo and everything. You went on missions. So it would be like, hey, you need to escort this giant ship from point A to point B. Or there's a, another mission I remember where you actually literally did like a gladiator fight against other spaceships. And you had to survive round after round of other ships trying to kill you. And like, there's a whole story, and there's this whole. You were like this man. The main character actually has a whole story arc of like everything that happens in his life while he's doing all this stuff. Like, it's really cool. And I remember this is a game that I sat down and I played from start to finish in over the course of about a week or two, wow. and then went back and played it again, and then have played it. I've actually played it three times, and I actually own oh, it wow. on Steam. So. Mm -hmm. Because there was different options, like you could go through and you could play it one direction, you know, like play and join this uh, side of the fight mm -hmm. and play all the way through with that side. And then you could go back and be the other side. Oh, um, like a branching story. Wow. Like there, there are two factions you could take and the, the ending was different depending on which faction you chose. So, mm -hmm. and this came out in like 2000. So this is like. A predecessor to all the Star Citizen and Elite Dangerous and uh, are, the, are the levels like on rails or are they more like kind of like free roaming or you basically think like you had this whole outer space you're in the cockpit you could fly anywhere you could do so barrel rolls range you mode could... from Star Fox or something yeah basically hmm. but I, I'm very interested in this game I want, I want to play this like you should check out some gameplay this and it absolutely like this is 2000 so it's hard to like thinking back like how good did it look it looked absolutely gorgeous like they had like nebulas <laughs> and like gas planets and stars off in the distance and like hey, i i love it, that old it, it was super cool like, 1999 2000s like space game like like aesthetic like i still have so much nostalgia for the original like rogue squadron and stuff so i, I bet oh, this is right up my alley <laughs> this is like the predecessor for me to rogue squadron i played this one before oh. i played rogue squadron and absolutely yeah this absolutely was incredible i need to go to goodwill awesome. and buy like a three dollar like 1999 pc arcade like joystick flight simulator <laughs> oh yeah dude this game was supposedly way better with the joystick i never played it with the joystick but my brothers did and they said they loved it so awesome. nathan what do you think uh i'm down to give it a try but i probably wouldn't enjoy it for more than like 30 minutes or something like that because <laughs> i can see myself getting frustrated by the controls and dying a lot yeah it actually was pretty like yeah it, it wasn't as demanding as you, as you would think, like, or as challenging as you would 
think. Really? So, okay. It was yeah. Only on so, and it's actually, it was, yeah. Okay. Like, difficulty-wise, it was not as challenging as, like, a lot of the, like, Elite Dangerous, one of the things that people talk about is how hard it is to control your ship. This yeah. is probably one of the simplest designs, like, ever. Cool. So, uh, well, we all have about one or two more games left here. And so let's uh, kind of quickly go through our last couple choices here, and then we'll jump into okay. what we're playing. Sounds all good. Right. Um, so well, my next one is uh, actually Dave Mira Freestyle BMX on PS1. Uh, this was essentially during the era of Tony Hawk and yes. the Pro Skater <laughs> series. And this was the BMX version of it. It was on PlayStation 1. It, I remember playing this on the PS1 controller that actually had the joysticks oh, instead nice. of, you know, not the, the original the D-pad one. Not, yeah. the, not just D-pad. And Dave Mira was kind of the big, he was the Tony Hawk of the BMX world. Hmm. And so there were, like, you was did he all... bald? Do you know if he was bald? I don't remember. I, honestly, I feel like I remember relevant. seeing this game cover and seeing, like, a bald man. Um, I don't so remember. That, that's what I'm trying to remind. Yeah, I don't remember what he looked like. Yeah, Honestly, my cousin I don't said the remember... second or third one that they made. It was like on the GameCube, and I'm, all I yeah. remember is that you could, for some reason, there was a promotion where you could play as uh, the Slim Jim Man, <laughs> like yeah, <laughs> the red and yellow suit with a giant jerky head. You could drive around <laughs> on a bike. Uh, so sounds weird. about right. Dude, I, I think there was, yeah, I think there was kind of that same mentality, like, but it was basically, yeah, it was Tony Hawk, you collected stuff, you create, you picked a skater and you, or a, a biker, biker, and you went around in parks and everything doing BMX tricks, and I just remember this was, my cousin and I played this a lot, and had a ton of fun playing this game. Nice. So. That's cool. awesome. Cool. Um, my last one is called The Hobbit. And this is a <laughs> game that came out on, I believe it came out on GameCube, PS2, yeah. and the original Xbox. It was well. I think it came out on all three platforms. And uh, it was basically like almost like a Zelda knockoff. Oh, Surprise, Nathan yeah. picked a Zelda knockoff. <laughs> and it's the third person action adventure game. You play through, um, I think there's 12 different levels, and each level is basically, um, it wasn't based at all off like all the Lord of the Rings movies were coming out. Um, out at that time, it wasn't based on the movies at all. Um, it was completely based on the book. Uh, the main character of The Hobbit had like a, its own unique design. And they did a pretty good job of adapting the book. And you played through basically the whole book and all the levels. And for the most part, it wasn't as good as Zelda, obviously. But it was a pretty well-made and controlled pretty well um, fun 3D action adventure game. So I had a lot of fun with it. And it might be fun to go back to today. It is, like, probably a little bit too long. I remember thinking when I was playing through it, I was like, I feel like this game should be should be over already. And I think it probably was a little bit too I long. I mean, if you ask Peter Jackson, he made it into three movies. So <laughs> it's probably not long enough. Oh, okay. Um, I wrote this I, came out right before, like, the officially licensed, like, Lord of the Rings games came out. So, like, this was yes. very much just this random developer got the li- license for, you know, Tolkien's Hobbit book and just made their own game. And then, you know, after this... We only saw, you know, the official EA adaptions with you know, yeah. movie characters. Yeah. yeah. I I actually remember being interested in this game when it came out and being like, I really want to play this, but then not really having a way to play it or ability to play I never got it. So I'd be interested to go back in it, but I just I don't know if it's aged well. Yeah. Well I Yeah, I it probably hasn't. Um I think I have my GameCube copy lying around somewhere. Ooh. So so maybe that should be one of our, but our game sessions. I don't think it's widely available. It 
it's not widely available and i don't yeah. think it will ever will be because it's yeah, a licensed game unfortunately yeah. it'll be lost yeah, yeah. it's lost the time well it's cool because it, it didn't take on the realistic look of the new you know all the movies yeah um, it was much more cartoony yeah very cartoony did its yeah. kind of thing and i never played it i just had some friends who had a watch play and stuff but it I reminded me a lot of like the 1980s versions of the lord of the rings yeah. cartoon movies yeah, sure. Like kind it, of that it, animation it, and everything. Like I remember playing, you know, watching those and really liking those. And yeah, this game looked a lot. It looked like a lot of fun. Yeah, cool. It was fun. All right. Well, I'll go next. Um, I I also have a GameCube game. I think this one was only on the GameCube, but I could be wrong. Um, and it was called Amazing Island. And this game was essentially um, like a spore game for consoles, where you created your own creatures and monsters. And it was, I remember being a super in-depth creature creator where you could select basically from tons of different kind of basic body types and skeletons. And then you would literally just draw out from all the different angles, uh, the different pieces of the character, what color you wanted each body part to be, what like material and all that. And you could just make some really funky or crazy looking monsters. And you would like literally draw it out with like using like the, the control sticks and moving in the outlines around and it was just fun because you could make such like whacked up creations and then once you made them you could go out into the world and basically do a bunch of different like mini games and explore you know buy new items and things and customization options and it was almost kind of like a you know i i kind of compare almost to pokemon where i don't think there was battling but like a lot of the mini games were like, you know, you're punching each other mm-hmm. and, you know, going around doing races and fishing, you know, button tapping games, almost kind of like Mario Party style type games. But you, you and your friends could all make a bunch of crazy, weird looking monsters and then do it. And it was kind of almost like a life simulator in the single player mode, too. So I thought this was a really good game. And no one other than like I had one friend growing up had this game. And so when I showed him this, I'm like, why have I never heard of this game? And we just stayed up all night making these bizarre looking monsters and it was really fun i have never heard of this game before so never I, think heard of it I think you'd really like wow. it Ethan. okay it, so- it sounds really fun honestly it sounds like it a sounds good time. it sounds really fun if you have a big group of or a group of you who can play it together like if more you know not just uh hey i'm gonna sit down and see if i can play this game by myself or like yeah, oh for nostalgia sure. factor like this seems like a game that like a, a group of you who are like Hey, you want to do something really kind of dumb? Let's do this game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Amazing Island. Look it up. It's on GameCube. Yeah. Cool. All right. I, I need a. I might look up a video of it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so my last one I think is maybe cheating, but I'm gonna go with it anyways. So it's the original Sims game. Which oh the man, Assassin's Creed. no one's I mean, ever heard of that. Game. Like pretty much everyone has heard of it, but it's the original Sims game on xbox one not the new xbox one the but xbox original <laughs> the fat box <laughs> so the reason i suggest this is because while the sims everybody knows the sims gameplay it's not really rocket science right you, you create sims you run through their life it's all you know it's all really just an excuse to see how fast i can kill my sim off yes um <laughs> you're a cruel god but then put it on console, so really terrible controls. But then the thing about the console version of it that actually was kind of interesting is they had this storyline called Get a Life. And you literally started as a sim that you you were basically uh, 
you started unemployed and living in your mom's house and you had to work your way all the way through this storyline through various homes and levels and like moving with roommates and kind of like college stuff and then moving on to like you literally did like it actually had a story mode the story mode was essentially they gave you a series of objectives that you had to try and complete um so it wasn't like super demanding this isn't an rpg quest line and but it definitely was it made the sims more interesting than it already was yeah I, I, i like the more interesting part I don't think I could get myself to play an old Sims game on no. an Xbox console controller. I, I actually, I, I've never played the original Sims, but I remember playing The Sims 2 on PS2, and I don't know if it had something similar, but I remember there was it some did, kind yeah. of like single-player content thing that it made it feel less like a traditional Sims game and more like almost like a third-person game or something like that because i remember you kind of control just like one or two characters and yeah, different objectives yeah. and stuff like that and it, it it made me interested in the sims which i had never hadn't had any previous interest before that so yeah i think yeah jeff i think you nailed it i think the hardest part would be going back to the controls and uh, xbox original <laughs> but controller. it definitely made the sims way more interesting to me as well nathan yeah cool, cool. nice all right, well, let's go and jump into what we are playing. Um, I know that um, one of the games on here, I put on here just for you, Rob, because I think you would really like it. And um, that game is called Outer Wilds. It is. Dude, um, I wish this game was, was on PS4. Do you got to play it? It sounds so cool. Yeah, no, it's, it's on Game Pass. Oh, so I don't know if it's on man. Game Pass PC. Um, you should check it out. I don't out. know. I, should I know check it's that out. on the Epic Store and Xbox. Those are the two platforms it's on right now, for sure. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I played on on uh, Xbox. The I love how it starts out because you literally just like zone in and you're sitting at a campfire with this creepy alien looking dude, and you just get to roast a marshmallow and you can burn it if you want and then you eat it and you you can literally just sit there and do that for as long as you want. Like I sat there for like five minutes just roasting marshmallows because it was fun. Um, and then basically you start wandering around this little settlement and there's a little little town of little alien people and you just get get to kind of discover the history and you do these like little tiny tasks for them. You just kind of learn that you are basically part of this little settlement that sends space explorers up into space and that's like it's very, very open-ended. And so you just finally, once you're able to get your rocket about an hour or two later, you go up in the rocket and you just can go to any random planet in your little galaxy and there's different asteroids, different fun things you can go explore. And the whole thing is very kind of like folksy, like they have like banjo and harmonica music and you're just kind of exploring the history and what's happened before. And this is a game I feel like is super deep, even though it doesn't necessarily look like it right away. Yeah. And you're like discovering all these secrets and it's more just about interacting with the story and piecing together, you know, different clues and things you're seeing at different locations. But and... it's, it's like a time loop game, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Whenever you die, yeah. you basically respawn back at the marshmallow uh, at the campfire. And then mm-hmm. you talk to the guy and he's like, all right, you, you excited to go up on your mission? And then your guy's like, wait a second, like, I just went on my mission and but you, since you already know the launch codes you can go straight up into the ship again and just launch right away if you want to but yeah you're kind of stuck in like this loop where you anytime you die or something happens you just respawn back at the beginning and so 
based on what time you go to certain places, you know, things will be different as well. So, uh, Jeff, you like this game? I want to play this game so bad because it sounds <laughs> so much fascinating. like a, yeah, an advanced it's... Majora's Mask game. Yeah, it's yeah. a really you cool hate idea. Majora's Mask. So it's... that surprises me. Well, you don't hate it, but you don't love it. I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to play it too much more. Cause I, like I said, I think this is a game about uncovering tons of secrets and probably yeah. like 15, 20 hours to do. And I don't uh-huh. know if I'll have the attention to do that since it is a little bit okay. slower, you know? Yeah. But um, it definitely is a really cool idea. And it is like an indie game because it's made by a really small um, yeah. team. So I think it's worth, I thought it was worth highlighting for sure. Oh, that's, everything that's about this sounds awesome. good. I want to play this game so bad. I've like watched a couple different videos on it and heard people talking about it, but I don't have a platform to play it on. It's yeah. really sad. <laughs> I, I don't want to tell you anything else just because yeah, I don't, I, I don't spoil anything. Because there's like so, really cool I wouldn't look up anything stuff, right? about it. Okay, okay. Cool. Because, right. yeah, it's about, it's almost kind of like The Witness where you kind of have to want to learn the different language and different That's actually what now. I was thinking. I was like, it sounds like The Witness or like Firewatch or something like that. Like you're just exploring, trying yeah. to find like different aspects of the story yeah there, there's no voice acting like firewatch which is a bit of a bummer that's one thing yeah. i was kind of hoping for um so you're just kind of reading through a lot of text boxes and solving things on your own but yeah they do the the space exploration really cool but um anyways that's called outer wilds you can check it out on xbox or on the epic Games store um the other game i literally just started i only played the the intro like tutorial um, it's called Owlboy, and this came out a while ago on PC. Um, hit yeah. consoles, I think, a year or two ago. Um, I got it on Nintendo Switch, and I picked this game up just because whenever I saw or heard about this game, the pixel art looked phenomenal. And just from playing the beginning, I'm so glad I got this because the artists who made this game like are so good at making like pixel art environments. Like it's so beautiful and the pixels are so small that it almost doesn't look like pixel art but it is mm. um and it just looks really really pretty and and it looks like it's a very story-based game as well so like you're you're not just like doing platforming and going around um although there is a lot of that um but yeah the the intro is really funny where you have like this mentor and he's like i'm so excited for you to you know be the be the next great owl person and like go around and every little task you do in the tutorial it's like push a to fly and you can't fly high enough and he like scolds you for being a weakling and then like it's like oh push the right trigger to pick up things and you like push r again to uh to throw it and you throw it and the guy's like why'd you throw that you just destroyed the water for the entire village we're all gonna go thirsty now i have to do all this by myself i'm gonna tell everyone what you did so i'm like oh my gosh this this is uh pretty uh pretty serious uh, right here so i'm excited to to experience more of the story because it seems like that's really uh a big draw as well awesome Sounds, and sounds I got a physical, fun. so I can uh, I can let you borrow it if you want, Nathan. Once I finish Ooh, it. sounds good. I've ha- actually had my eye on it for a while, but I've kind of been like, I'm not sure if I like it. I was kind of waiting for it to go on sale. So yeah, yeah I've actually try. looked at this game before because it looks it looks like a really fascinating concept. And when it first came out, everybody was talking about it. So I was like, okay, that's kind of interesting. I would kind of be it. I would kind of like to play it. So yeah, I, I follow the developer on Twitter, and I remember when they were making this game, he just was. They were always just tweeting out like. Well, I'll finish another giant pixel art thing. It took me forever to make. I hope you guys enjoy it. So I'm just yeah. excited to see all the different um, art in the game. But yeah, other than that, just was playing uh, some Destiny 2. I've been catching up. And the one thing I want to share is that they added a tribute hall where basically you have this whole room in this giant spaceship that you can 
uh, basically add tributes and statues and different things and that are accomplishments to what you've done, which yeah. is awesome because Destiny's never had that before. And the funny part about it is, is you can buy some of the tributes with your materials. And, you know, if you've played Destiny a lot, you have hundreds of thousands of materials you're not really using. But the price for buying these is so ridiculously expensive that if you just buy them right away, you'll be like out of resources and you won't be able to get them all. So you have to come back every day and grind and do like four little bounty missions, which don't take super long. And each time you do one, it decreases the price by 1%. So like the majority of the community is just like, I want it right away. And they just spent all their money, but I'm trying to like just slowly go through it so I don't waste all my uh, materials. But you do get like a brand new version of the Bad Juju exotic gun, which was an amazing gun in Destiny 1. So like Mm. the incentive is there. So it's... It's uh, really cool to have like a whole room just dedicated to all the cool things that your character's done over Destiny. So I, I really like that lore aspect. That's neat. Of it. Yeah. That's really cool. Oh, uh, anyways, what have you guys been playing? Nathan, oh, go ahead. You. Oh, okay. I was gonna say you go ahead because you have a lot, and I don't have. Yeah. Much. All right. So um, I played. I think the game I've played the most of has been Dragon Age Inquisition over the last two weeks or so. Uh, I this think is the new I'm Fallout about... Three, isn't it? But you see, the thing is, Fallout 3, I spent like 70 hours playing it and was barely anywhere in the story. And I was just about to say, for Dragon Age Inquisition, I'm about halfway through the story, I'm pretty sure. Um, maybe a little further. It's hard to tell because I don't know exactly how long the story is. Yeah. But I think, I think I'm halfway through the main story. Uh, mm-hmm. Then I played some Banner Saga 3. I was like... I know. I started playing it, and then I keep getting distracted by other things. So the other day, I was just sitting there. I didn't have my PlayStation 4, but I had my computer. I was like, I'm going to play Banner Saga 3. And it was... <laughs> it's absolutely gorgeous. They have, you like, still remember them. what's going on in the story? I feel yeah, like I was going to say, like, I feel yeah. like one of those games you need to play through all at one time, or else you forget what's happening, which... Honestly, it actually wasn't too hard to pick up right where the story left off. Uh, I... I did watch a recap video before I started playing it back in like back when it first came out last year I watched a recap video so that kind of helped a little bit but also I don't know I just There's the story a lot of text el- in those games the story elements as a whole are actually pretty easy to track there's okay. only been one or two moments where I've been like wait when did I do that um but it didn't but based so it's not off like of Kingdom the Kingdom Hearts story no no really is not um but and the gameplay wise is super fun and there's they've added some new elements to three that just make it a little bit more interesting in certain areas so that's that's cool and they added like a completely new enemy type and creature and everything so that's been fun like figuring out how to play against them because they're completely different nice and then the last game so this is a game that i bought in the steam summer sale and beat like Three days later. What's so it it's, called? Wow. It's called Hidden Folks. I don't know if you guys have heard of this or not. I have not. Nope. It's basically like an I Spy Where's Waldo game. <laughs> which <laughs> doesn't this. Sound, No, this doesn't sound super interesting, but here's why this is super interesting. So the first, the thing is, it's this little world. It'll like start off and there's like just a couple of things. And I'll say like, find these four items 
it's like find this person and it gives you a hint it's like you know sandy really likes snakes and then you find this like all these snakes in this pit and there's sandy sitting in the middle of all of them and you click on her and then it they have like actual all the pieces and people and everything is moving and so like there's parts where it's like well there's this person you're looking for but they're actually hiding in a tree or in a bush and you have to click on the tree so it'll shake it and it'll they'll fall out of the tree and then you can click on them or like there's one in the city where you have to open doors and windows and shutters and everything to actually find everyone this, sounds this like is a really... browser game or Rob, something <laughs> this sounds like either a browser game or the i spy book where you have to open the the piece of the book move sure that this isn't like this secret seven-year-old. spiritual successor to Zumbini's educational game. <laughs> this is, so, but here's the best part. It's actually super hard. Really? It's really hard to find everything. And you beat it in some, three hours? No, okay. I beat it in three days. Oh, three days. Uh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, I probably put eight or nine hours into it. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. Um, but the best part is, they actually, they have their their soundtrack is literally just people standing in front of mics making noises. <laughs> so like oh, they'll no. have a car and you'll click on the car and you'll hear a guy go meet me. <laughs> sounds so <laughs> strange. It's so fantastic. It sounds like a game that you would definitely be into Rob. That's all I can say. I, and here's Rob's the thing guys. Laughing hysterically. No, I was, I really was, but here's the thing guys. This is actually one of the most popular games on Steam. Like, it's actually, like, one of the most popular, like, casual games out there in existence. Like, well, There you have it. Where's Waldo is dead. Hidden Folks is alive and in. And it's, right. it's, you know, like, the first, you know, the best part is, like, the first world is, like, you know, there's only, like, it's really tiny. Yeah. Like, think, like, one house and, like, a couple of people and stuff around it. And then it opens the next level is literally a sprawling skyscraper-ridden city that you have to, like, scroll and click through and find everything. Like, it it was... I I can tell that you guys don't like it, but this is one of the best games I've played in a while. Uh, I'll Let's tell you, I Nathan. will look up a video just for you. Um, I have just been playing since last show. Um, I picked up Mario Maker Two. Um, we talked a lot about kind of our impressions on that on the last episode we did, so make yeah, sure you check, check out. that out. But um, I've been playing a lot more of that since I got my own copy. I made my first level, which was a snow-themed 3D world level. The 3D world style is just so amazing. Like, yes. I was lo- playing through levels and looking at it compared to, like, the new Super Mario Brothers style. It is so much better looking and sounding in, like, almost every way imaginable. It yeah. kind of blows my mind how much better it is. Um, but I've just been having a lot of fun with that. Um, the A couple things I want to shout the uh, kind of the search system in this is much much better than the original super mario maker like you can like the way it kind of details courses and then if you're looking for specific things you can search and you can be like oh i want to play a puzzle solving level that's only in uh set in caves that's in only in the new or in super mario brothers 3 style and stuff like that and you can search all that and then mm-hmm. find the best courses with the most that are the most popular that people have really yeah, enjoyed they- they had that feature with the first one with a website. Like they launched a website later on for the Wii version where you could kind of search levels with filters and different things like that. But it's great to see that added in the game now and it's really easy to use. <laughs> yeah, it's much, yeah. it's really easy to use and it makes, um, I've just been able to find a lot more levels that I actually want to play and enjoy versus like this first one yeah. where I 
after the first week, I was like, okay, this is all hard yeah. level, but I don't really like it. So, so far, uh, you, your fears are being relieved on uh, finding good levels? Yes, so far, so okay. far. That's good to hear. Yeah, um, but really enjoying that. And that's pretty much all I've been playing lately. There's been a lot of drama around Mario Maker 2 because one of the developers, or one of the guys, who, one of the players who made it, like a popular Twitch streamer, his levels keep getting banned. Uh-huh, well. I, I don't know anything about that, oh, but uh, I do know Nintendo that? does have ninja moderators who will take <laughs> things immediately if it's even slightly offensive. So, yep. So, don't be offensive on Mario Maker Two. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, we will catch you guys all in two weeks. Uh, we got two shows that came up pretty soon on each other, but back on a regular schedule. So expect the next show at the end of the month of July. Hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Thank you so much for listening. And we will leave you with the Road to the Striker Cup uh, theme from Mario Strikers Charge, composed by Mike Peacock. Enjoy, and see you next time. See ya. See ya.